Oh, control your mind, control your life. Think different theory, baby. That's what we do. All right, guys. We made it happen. We're live with Kevin Stimson. What's up, man? What's happening, brother? Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. I'm looking forward to this. You're, uh, well, let's just say you're not a Trump fan. And I uh, definitely am. And uh, I'm glad we get to have this conversation. But you're an entrepreneur. And so am I. So I am. we have some similar background there. So I'm, I'm really looking forward. Where are you out of, dude? Yo, I'm in San Diego. Oh, no way. I didn't know that. How's yeah, the weather yeah, there? Yo, so I've been here in San Diego for the last six years, right? That's awesome. Um, yeah, yeah. And I plan on moving next year to Texas. Texas? Why there? Houston. So my wife and I, we want to be around more diversity, right? So we moved to Houston or we moved to San Diego for one reason, one reason only. All the people that we were inspired by from an entrepreneurship standpoint, they all lived out here. Your Amy Porterfields, your Pat Flynn's, your J.O.D. Mm. All those people lived in SoCal. And we were like, yo, we need to move to SoCal. So my wife and I, back in 2015, we moved 3,000 miles away from the East Coast to the West Coast. Dang. That's when we started our business. And now, obviously, we have the resources, the tools, the knowledge, the relationships, and everything we need to be able to now flourish wherever we are. Um, but we wanted to be in a place where there were there was a lot of diversity of people, languages, food, um, culture, just like a lot of culture. San Diego lacks culture. It's really nice. It's beautiful, really? but it lacks culture. And that's what um, my wife and I are after this next chapter. So you're going to Houston. I'm going to Houston. Everybody awesome, else went to Austin. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Everybody went to Austin. But Austin's like San Diego 2.0. So I'm good. They're like two hours away. I'll say what's up to my peoples. But there you go. You can just drive up yeah. there and hang out with them whenever. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. a lot of friends that moved to, are either in Texas or have moved to Texas recently. Um, some actually from California. Um, with all the craziness with COVID, they're like, I'm out. Peace yeah. out. And yeah. uh, they went You're to Texas. Shutting down. I know, Texas isn't. Well, I mean, so I'm in Colorado. I just moved to Colorado. Um, and I moved from a pretty red, open state. Nebraska is where I used to live. Like, okay. dude, those... Those people don't care at all. Like, dude, like they're like literally back in like May, they were shoulder to shoulder packed. Like, like they do not care. Um, right. But then we moved to Colorado and now like now I'm in like, like we are in the most, one of the most strict like areas where, I mean, like every, like everybody wears a mask all the time. Everything shut down. You can't eat out at restaurants. Um, yeah. Like there's only like four people out in salons at a, you know, at a time. So it's like a whole like culture shock to me. I was like, Oh gosh. Um, but it's good. It's, it's nice to be around like the mountains and fresh air. And like the nice thing about Colorado is even when everything is locked down, like there's still stuff to do. Like you can still go outside and walk and like everybody just stays six feet apart. And like, there's so many trails and so many different things like in the mountains and the views are just awesome. So like you can still be out and about. Um, right. and you know, you don't get that in a lot of like, I mean, I can't, like, I'm sure you and I disagree, and I'm sure a lot of people disagree with me on, like, the, the response to everything. I'm not trying to bring that in quite yet. But, like, yeah, I, yeah. my heart my heart breaks, man, for people, like, living in New York City or in Los Angeles who are literally, you know, they don't have anywhere to go, right? And they're locked in an 800-square-foot yeah. apartment with, you know, a couple kids, and there's no place to, like, get out and walk and go. And, ha you know, it's just packed. And, like, man, I feel sure. for them because that would be, that'd be difficult to go through something yeah, like man. this. 
I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, and San Diego's not that bad at all. Obviously, we had our second rounds of, of shutdowns, but at the end of the day, like you said, you can still get out there, walk, and 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 be active. Even my gym, you know, the mainstream gyms, I think, are, are shut down. You got to do, like, outside stuff. Yeah. But my boutique gym that I work out at, like, they got the outdoor section, but everyone's still working out indoors, too. So That's they're awesome. still kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. What a crazy time we're living in, dude. Like regard like regardless of like political police aside for a second right and like regardless of what you think of like the response the craziness that like we've never experienced anything like this before and like i just don't like i just don't think people like i think a lot, the average everyday american who you know up until this point was just living their life and was pretty disconnected from politics they were pretty disconnected from everything and like all of a sudden out of nowhere their entire life gets completely flipped upside down Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, like normality for for millions and millions and millions of people was just like non-existent overnight. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously something had to be done. Right. And regard, like I said, regardless of what you whether or not you agree, something did have to be done. Um, yeah. But it, it's it's a crazy world we're living in, dude. You know, it is, man. I'll tell you what, as we talked about as both being entrepreneurs, you know, in the April time frame, that was a time frame where stuff was just really interesting for me. I almost didn't know what to do because um, at yeah, the time, Ahmad Aubrey, like his murder kind of went public and a lot of stuff was going on. And shortly after that, like a week or two after that, uh, George Floyd. And then there was a certain point in time, man, for like a good month or so. I'm like, I don't even feel right in my business right now. Mm. I don't feel like, I don't feel right creating marketing posts creating entrepreneurial posts right now, like inside emotionally, I feel just weird. I feel different. Yeah. And I've never felt this way before. And I'll tell you what, man, Josh, here's something uh, about me, man. I live in San Diego. There's abundance out here. It's beautiful. My wife and I, we are not in lack. We have great relationships. We have great friendships. We make good money. Like life is good. I cannot complain about where we are in our life yeah but there was a point in time man where like the last five years six years since i've been out here i have not been tapped in to what my blackness or what my culture has been dealing with and feeling like and going through yeah for the last five or six years i've been completely removed because i'm in my bubble out here my wife and I, we grew up in Virginia Beach. We're high school sweethearts. So we grew up in Virginia. Awesome, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, bro. So we've been together since she was 15 and I, uh, she was turning 16 and I was 17, turning 18. And now I'm 31 and she's about to, to be 30. And there was even a point in time where I wasn't even allowed to date her because of the color of my skin, which is, which is wild. And she's mixed. She's Filipino and white. And her mom is Filipino, straight from the Philippines, and her dad was in the, the military. But I wasn't, she wasn't allowed to see me because of the color of my skin. And it's interesting, bro, because like I said, for five or six years since living in California, I've just been removed from everything that's going on in the black community. And about a year or so ago, I started to realize like, yo, I don't feel as happy as I thought I would in SoCal. I yeah. thought so. Yeah, like you would never 
<laughs> wanting to leave Southern California. The weather, the people, the money, the beauty, right. the palm trees, everything. You would never right. see us even thinking about wanting to leave. But as I got older and, and, and hit 30, and once I hit 30, it was just like, yo, something is off. And the something that was off for me was like the relatability and to be able to connect with people who look just like me and we can relate around things as opposed to me having to be the only black person in all of my networks and, and social circles and having to tell them everything as opposed to like just already knowing what I'm talking about type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So and, I think, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. So I was going to say, so I think while you and I obviously don't agree on everything politically, I think one of the things where I, where I'm really excited to learn a lot from you about this specifically. And I think where we would probably align on a lot more is on the topic of racism specifically, and just, you know, the, the black lives, the issue with, with racism in America and what's going on. Um, as you know, I'm, I was a huge, huge fan of Trump. I, I mean, I publicly supported him, but my one biggest criticism of him and my, I mean, I did podcast episodes about it. I called him out on it. I was very upset about the thing to the point where I was like, at one point I was like, yo, like it made me reconsider my vote was the whole George Floyd situation where I was like, yo, Trump, like, yo, you had a, you had a chance to like bring the country together, bro. And you didn't do it. Right. Like I, I really, like I was real pissed because I do yeah. like, um, well, well, obviously the media's narrative of what's happening with race is wrong. Like, I don't agree with what's going on. Like, obviously, I mean, I think they're blowing stuff out of proportion. I, I do understand more now than I ever have the fact that there is a legitimate, like there's legitimate racism that still happens. And it, a lot of it is systematic. And a lot of people don't even realize, like they look at someone like you and they're like, dude, how, how, how could you complain about racism, dude? You make good money. You live in San Diego. Like, how has racism affected your life in any, you know, any way? And a lot of people look at that and be like, you've never had a, you know, struggle with that. Your life has been no different than a white person's life. And like where I come in and I go, okay, but like so many black people that I meet say that that's not the case and that there is a difference and that they all like that they have had a different perspective and that they know so many people. And like I had, um, do you know, uh, John Lawson by any chance? I do not know. Okay. So he, he's an entrepreneur. He's out of Atlanta. Um, and I had him on and he's, you know, big, big sport of the black lives uh, matter movement and like stuff like that. And I just called him on like, cause you know, he and I got into it on Facebook and I was like, let's talk, dude. I want, like, I want to hear, this is like one of those things where I'm like, I really want to hear the other perspective. And like, when he like shared with me some of the things that like he went through in his life and like shared with me, like the perspective of like growing up black in America and how he's like, Hey, I've lived in Atlanta for 25 years. And I look out my window and there's tanks rolling down the street, you know, because of riots when I'm like, why, why, why is there a tank? How does the police officers have that much money when we could be funding education around racism, like things like that? Like that was a perspective shift for me. Right. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, open my eyes. So I'm curious from your perspective, like what it, has it been like, and I, I want to start with you specifically, right? Like, and we'll get to like black culture as, as a whole, but like yeah. being black and in your entrepreneurship journey, you're certainly not a victim, right? Like you're certainly not playing the victim game. Like, Oh, what was me? Right. You've done very well for yourself, which is awesome. Um, but like, what has it been like for you? And what have you noticed has been the difference between, you know, you and somebody else that has white skin versus you and your black skin. So I would want to take a step back because I don't think for me personally, anything has been different like I, to be dead ass honest yeah not curse yeah of course yeah yeah all right cool, cool. Yeah. um just to be dead honest like i've never had 
racist issues, if you will, from an entrepreneurial perspective. And that's, that's just that's just dead ass. Um, I I use slang. I speak on a lot of stages. I use slang. Um, I get you know middle aged white men to want to like use the words that I use, say the things that I say, dress like how I dress. Um, I have doctor, lawyer, clients, and they love me because I'm just different and I'm 100% authentically me. So I'm attracting people who just love me for just being me, right? So from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I don't have, I haven't really experienced anything from a racial standpoint. But I know that for me, growing up, there was a lot of racist stuff that I did have to navigate. There's a saying in my, you know, uh, in my upbringing was just like, Kevin, because you're black, you have to work two, three, four, five, ten 10 times harder than everybody else. And I genuinely believe that. The reason why that is, is this, there's people out there like I'm, as you say, like Kevin, you're successful, you're doing anything, whatever, whatever. If I'm driving, I have a nice Mercedes car, right? If I'm driving my Benz in SoCal, San Diego, whatever, I'm not going to have no issue at all. I can wear my hat backwards. No one's going to care, right? You got your hat backwards. I didn't prejudge you like, yo, right. Josh, was <laughs> up to no good we got his hat backwards. I'm right, like, right. yo, that's what's up. Josh is cool. Yeah. He's rocking his hat backwards. That's what's up. People are like, Kevin, if you dress good and you show up as yourself, you'll have no issues. Nah, bro. When I go back home to where I'm from in Virginia Beach, where people have their uh, rednecks, have their monster trucks, and they're flying the Confederate flags. And in my high school, people riding KKK on the walls and full out, all out brawls. And in my high school, black versus white. Like, that's what I grew up in. And I know that if I were to go back home, drive my same car, I'm going to get pulled over for driving my car. It's not, oh, there's a brother out there who who made it. He's successful. It's like, what are you doing to drive this car? There's a thing called driving while black. That's a legit thing. It's not Mm -hmm. about, um, you know, uh, you didn't turn on your signal to turn or, oh, you, you were going a little bit over the speed limit. If you look like me in certain parts of the country, you're screwed, bro. Mm. I would, there's, there's legit States that I would never go to talk about privilege on the other side. I will never go to Mississippi. I would never go to Mississippi. I don't know if like, any non-black people was like, I would just never go to a, a, a whole state. Right. There's maybe right. like cities or certain areas within a, a city that they won't go to, but there's like legit states for me that I'm just like, nah, yo, that's off limits. I don't mm. want to go. Where I grew up, there's an area called Pongo. You just don't go there after hours. You don't go there in nighttime because you may not come back. You get your ass beat for looking like me, walking foot and Pungo. And Pungo is probably like 15 minutes outside of Virginia Beach. It's like in a boonies rural area. You know, so when people say like, oh, so that's why my experience is so unique, because I know where I came from. When you live in a bubble. It's hard for you to realize. Like, I can see how people in San Diego is like dumbfounded. Oh my God, racism still exists. 
what? But because of where I came from, because of where I grew up, because of my friends who got held back through to certain stuff. Here's something that's interesting, man. I was watching a show recently. Uh, I think it was like a Netflix series. And these dudes played the, what, I think they played the violin. And it was a private school. It was a, it was, um, a private school, mainly white kids, but a few black kids went to this private school. And kids were playing around. And one of the kids, or not accidentally, because he did it, he took the girl's wallet and he was like playing with it and like threw it. Mm. He got expelled for 90 days. And the biggest concert of his life was coming up where he got to perform and had the chance to go to Juilliard. But because he got expelled for 90 days or suspended for 90 days, he was not able to show up for that opportunity for just playing. And then because he wasn't able to go to that school, he had to go to a school in the hood that was right next door. And you saw how emotionally and energetically his whole energy and his identity and his persona changed. He went from wearing, you know, uh, dressed up in uh, whatever you wear when you're going to public school, right? You got your uniform on and you're doing your thing to now not like not even taking care of himself. He's getting into fights because of the school that he's in. And now he's getting dumped into that system. He missed out on an opportunity of a lifetime all because he was playing. Mm. That's that type of thing, a kid being a kid, and you make one mistake that's really not that serious in the grand scheme of things, and you right. see that's the type of stuff that happens today that most people don't see. Right. And if a, if a white kid would have, you know, done that, it would have been a, you know, Hey, Not don't do that. Right. Don't do that again. Next, next day. Right. All good. Yeah. yeah. Huh? So one, I have a question. One of the things that you said, and I'm asking this very, like I'm asking this to learn and understand, like from the perspective of this and whether or not there's any merit to this argument or not. So like one of the things that you said, you're like, so talk about privilege on the other side. Like, Hey, is there like, there's no state that I would feel uncomfortable going to, right? All 50 States, like whatever, it's cool. Like, and you know, you said, Hey, what talk about privilege and, and that can definitely be perceived as privilege for sure. My question is this. In, a, in an ideal world, that's how it should be for everybody, right? In an ideal world, everybody should be able to go, what, regardless of the color of your skin, your background, your sexual orientation, like no, no matter who you are, you should feel comfortable to go anywhere in America, right? Like in an ideal world, that's how it should be, right? Oh, and yeah. so one of the, the arguments that I see uh, from the, gosh, I hate to say it, my side of things, but like, like from the white person side of things, right. Or the people that don't think racism is real, like really exists that much is like, they're like, say you say privilege, but like, it's not privilege. That's just how it should be. And so my question for you is, is like in an ideal world, if like the way a white man is living right now, a guy like, you know, someone like me who, who's not afraid to go and any state, if that's the way that things should be. And if that's the way that it should be for black guys as well. Like if you and I, if that's the way it should be, is it privilege for me to have that and you not to have that? Or is it that you just don't have that ability and it's not really privilege for me. It's just the like, this is how it should be. And I'm like, going. Well, yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm asking that genuinely, like from your perspective or side of things, uh, how do you see that? Because, and, and this is purely my perspective here on that. There's an argument for that. But like, when I hear that, I go, okay, 
I understand what some people are trying to say with that because when you say something is, oh, you have privilege, all of a sudden there's like this negative connotation around it. Like, well, you have privilege. I privilege is good. Okay. We should all strive to have privilege. I have okay. privilege right now. Okay. I'm able to help people. I have financial resources. I have connections. Like, like I'm good. I have privilege. The goal is to have privilege. But so I think that's where that's where it's at. Yeah. Yes. To be ignorant of your privilege and to be naive and make it look like I don't I don't know what you're talking about. That's the issue. If mm. if I'm able to send my future kids to private school or if my future kids grow up having amazing things and opportunities, they have privilege. But they would be a messed up person if they were to sit here and act like they did not have privilege and try to tell other people that they yeah. did. My parents worked their asses off so that I could have the privilege. And I'm not ashamed to have privilege. I'm happy that I have privilege. And shout mm. out to my parents for giving me the opportunity to do that and owning it. But I think from the opposite perspective, I think where the challenge is and the miscommunication and the misalignment is, is that people who do have privilege make it seem like they don't. And they're just like, I don't know. Mm. Watch this, bro. And <laughs> there's a movie coming out. I think it should have came out by now, but it's coming out later in this later this year. There's a movie come out and it's so wild, yo, because there's there's petitions right now being signed so that it does not get released. Oh, dang. It's going to be so controversial. And the reason why it's going to be so controversial is because it's going to showcase what life would have been like if white people were slaves. Oh, dang. And black oh, no. were the yeah. ones in power. Yeah, Bro, think about that. There's no yeah. other way. There's no other human possible mm. way for white people to understand or get it other than to see visually black people owning them, having them in chains, black men raping their wives and they can't do anything about it. Black men owning all of the United States and everybody else's dominions. And can you imagine the type of like uncomfortableness yeah. that would be? And you know, what's wild for me. I know how uncomfortable it's going to be for me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, dang, that's crazy. Cause it shouldn't even be like that. I can't even imagine that. Right. But it's like, nah, this right here is, is genius because what other way is this going to be able to, to be communicated? There was a woman, man, uh, Jane, I forget her name, but she did the, the brown eye, blue eyes test teacher, mm. white woman. She's like 70, 80 years old now. Um, and she's a big, big anti-racist like advocate. And she she did like a test for her third grade students. And she knew there was no way for her white uh, students and classmates to know what it's like to be black. So what did she do? She said, hey, today, if you have blue eyes, you're superior. Everyone who has brown eyes, they cannot drink from the water fountain. Mm. If you have brown eyes, 
you can't you can't have a recess mm. and you can't play with all of your friends. If you have brown eyes, um, you're stupid. Like you can't really read, and you're not as smart as the kids with blue eyes. Also, if you have blue eyes, you get to cut the line and you get to get served first um, at the cafeteria and you can get seconds. But if you got brown eyes, you can't have that. Mm. And she did that experiment, bro, in like the 70s, 60s. Like, and this was like a long time ago. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And it was it's, it's super profound. And even though these kids were friends with each other, the moment she created that divide based off a of discrimination of the eyes... The kids that have blue eyes, they started to act and feel superior to the so kids with brown eyes. And then here's what's crazy. The next day, she said, guys, I was just playing. The kids with the blue eyes, you guys are actually inferior to the kids with the brown eyes. And then she re she redid it that way, too. And that was the way she was able to get those kids to understand what it feels like to be discriminated against for something that you can't control. Yeah. That's a really good um, analogy of it kind of explaining, like, especially to like a younger age, like, like kids, like kind of yeah. explaining what it was like, because like that, I mean, it is, it's like, okay, well you had absolutely no control whether or not you had blue eyes or brown eyes. Right. Just like you had absolutely no control whether your skin was white or brown. Right. Or Perfect. it's like, that and so I, I, that's actually a really good uh a really good way to put it. So what would you, okay, so what would you say about like the, the the counter argument to this right now which I hear a lot is like okay, all right Kevin, like I get what you're saying, dude, but like that was like a long time ago. Like dude, like we don't ha we're not separating people anymore. Uh like why people don't get discriminated at the water fountain. They're not, I mean, we're all, we're all allowed to go to the same places and eat for the, you know, same things. So like, dude, is isn't like, about wealth. I got it. Let's okay. talk about wealth. All right. I saw recently there was this woman who was trying to sell her house and she was trying to get it appraised. And I think it was like in the South Atlanta, somewhere. In, it was like somewhere in Georgia, uh, North Carolina, somewhere in the South. Yeah. She wanted to sell her house. And as you know, for the everyday person from a wealth standpoint, real estate and home ownership and that can increase someone's like net worth, right? If you yeah. will. And and I want to just clarify that real quick because and there's a reason a lot of my uh, people know that like I like advocate like if you want to become wealthy, don't buy a home because it's not really truly an asset. Well, like traditionally speaking, guys. Oh, oh, right. Oh, oh yeah. like we're not talking about like, okay, how you're going to go invest your money and create generational wealth here. We're talking about specifically like traditionally speaking, owning a home and less now than ever before, but back up a hundred years. If you owned a home and guess what? It might not have made you wealthy, but then you got to pass it on to your kid. And then that kid could buy a second home and then that one. And then it's like this multiplication effect. So like traditionally speaking, if you owned a home, that was a sign of wealth. You bought it low, the price value went up and like, there's what it is. So we're not talking about the traditional things. What I'm talking about, we're talking about like home ownership, traditionally speaking, in the average home. Yes, 100%. Thanks for that yeah. clarification, Josh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, she wanted to sell her home. And the appraiser appraised the value of her home super low. Mm. The guy who appraised the home knew that a black woman lived there. I think it was an interracial relationship. Mm. And 
there was pictures throughout the house to show who the family was. She knew it was bullshit. She knew that the homes on her block was selling for a lot more. And so what she did was she got another appraiser, round two, she got rid of all the pictures and the depictions to show that a black person lived there. Bro, after she did that, the, the home was appraised for an extra $200,000 more. Oh my gosh. That's let's, insane. Let's think about that for a second here. That's 200,000. And this guy didn't say, oh, you are, you're an N-word. Like, I'm not coming in to appraise your home. Right. He systematically jipped her. Right. And she was hopefully, well, not hopefully, she was savvy and educated enough to know her worth of the home and the value of it. And she got a second opinion. Right. So that's one example. Example and number and I want to go. I want to go to the second example here, but um, guys, I and there is. If you go through, there's a New York Times article right here. There's a Bloomberg.com article here. You can go and you can Google this. He, what he's saying here is absolute. There's actual evidence in here to go back this up. Um, like, and there, there's one right here. This is from Daily Mail. Florida home appraised for 134 or 135 thousand dollars more after they removed all evidence that mother, initial oh. child there, like. There's article after article that you can go and look this up. This is not, he's just not just making this stuff up on the spot. This, this does really happen. And so, um, cause I know that's the big thing to everyone's like, well, you can just say these things like go, go, like go Google racist home appraisal and you'll see three or four articles that pop up right there. So yeah, continue. Why would somebody want to make this up? Like, right. That would right. suck to be the scapegoat of that. Like, right. I wouldn't want to have that publicly put out there anyways. Right. right. Um, I would say that uh, a second option of how this is super, super relevant, and it's wild, man. I've been learning so much about my history because it's been completely removed from like the school system. The yeah. people who enslaved black people is the one teaching us about our history. It's kind well, of- that's, There's that saying that says winners, winners rewrite, or uh, the winners write the history books. And in this case, I'm. I wouldn't exactly call it a winner, but like the people in power, let's say the people in power write the history books, right? Yeah. The only reason that the only reason that uh, Hitler was made out to be a bad guy was because Hitler didn't write the history books, right? If Hitler would have won World War II, Hitler would have been the good guy. So, like, obviously, you look back in the history books, and if white people were the ones in power and they were the ones that wrote all of history, they're going to write it from their narrative, and there's not going to be a whole lot of information or actual history around the black culture because, well, they weren't the ones writing history books, which is just fascinating. And it's wild, you know, because there's books that was, I mean, essays. Like, these weren't even books at the time. Like, these were, like, pamphlets and essays and, and all this type of stuff um, that was written in the 1500s and 1600s and 1700s. And there was a lot of documentation early on to kind of create that white superiority and black inferiority perspective. Mm. And when you think about it, it's like, well, that was a long time ago. It's like, yo, that wasn't a long time ago. I would yeah. challenge 90% of the white Americans living in like the United States today. I would say, yo, ask your grandparents if they were, especially if, you're, if you lived in the South or if your family was from the South, ask your grandparents 
if they were ever witnessed a lynching for entertainment. Hmm. And I bet you what will come from that will be astounding. Well, and I think the other thing that people forget is like, I just Googled it here. When did slavery end in the U.S.? So the 13th Amendment adopted in December 18th, 1865. I want you to think about that, dude. That's 160 years, 115 years ago. Like we're talking like two generations, two. And we're That's not even including the black codes. Right, right. Like, oh, you're going to be fined just to vote. Oh, you can't even hang out in congregations with other black people. Oh, you can't do this. Like, cool, slavery ended that back then, but there were all these codes and systems written out to hold black people back even more. Well, and think about it. I mean, you go and it's like, uh, I mean, you look at the crime rate and there's uh, people locked up, black people specifically that are like on life sentences or 20 year sentences for having like a gram of marijuana on them. Right. Like, you know, like it's insanity. I'm like, dude, I buy more than a gram of marijuana just walking down the store right now. Like, you know, the dispensary in Colorado. How many black legal businesses exist right now? Josh, do I, am I going to ask you how many black legal businesses that sell marijuana exist today? Very little. Dang. I didn't even think of that. Because black people can't even get loans and business grants or any of those types. They can't get the funding to start those businesses. So think about it. And just because something is legal, like, yes, slavery ended on 1865. But guess what? Drugs became illegal. And yes, everybody just magically was like, sweet, sounds good. Drugs are now bad. Like, you know, no, of course, like there's a like it's a fight. It's like, let me look at the presidential election. Like something. Well, something is the law. That doesn't mean half of America is going to accept it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. And it's crazy to think, think that it was like. Like it was like a rock throw away ago that we were like, it was legal to like have a slave. Like, you know, that's just, it's, and I don't think people realize like, yes, a lot happens in 165 years, but like also a, not a lot happens in a hundred. Like it's, that's not a, it's not like we're talking. This was like 2000 years ago. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, not long ago at all. Like, yeah, again, your great grandparents, uh, their mother or father, was either a slave or not a slave, or they owned slaves. Yeah. Like it wasn't long ago at all. And bro, there's a thing. And before I go into uh, what's called post-traumatic slave syndrome, this is kind of how it's relevant to today. um, What I want to share too is going back to the marijuana business. Yeah. Most offenders of crimes, if you will, not even murder. Like most people are in prisoned right now because of what for marijuana yet white people now are the ones who own all of the marijuana businesses and black people are enslaved for now of the thing that all white people can have access to and the power of selling yeah make zero sense and black people want to get into that the business of marijuana legally but they there's all these loopholes that's holding them back from being able to do it um, interracial marriages wasn't even a thing, bro, until 1967, I think. Like, that's crazy. You that's- could not, yeah. And that was in Virginia, bro. That's where I grew up. You could not legally be married to somebody else of the opposite um race in 1967. Yeah. So 
when people say that, bro, it's it's pure ignorance. And I want to share this this concept around post traumatic slave syndrome. Post traumatic slave syndrome is kind of the the notion around psychologically, mentally, physically, emotionally, and psychologically the restraints of what slavery did. So for instance, like your great, great, great grandparents were slaves. Their lives sucked, right? Now your great, great grandparents, they were also slaves. Their life sucked. So your great grandparents was a little bit better than your great, great, and great great grandparents, but their lives still sucked because they still had to grow up in racism and they couldn't do damn near anything. And then your grandparents' lives as a black person was not any better, it was just a little bit better. And that's the type, and talk about like the psychological warfare that goes on in people's mind around not being good enough, not being able to have access to certain type of opportunities. Now, I believe like in 2020 and beyond because of the internet and access to resources, there shouldn't be as much challenges, but yeah. there still is challenges. I can't be ignorant and naive to say that there aren't challenges because if you go to the hood and you freaking see like the, the school here that has no funding, there's metal detectors just to walk in. Think about it. If you got to walk through a school and there's metal detectors, that's damn near programming you subconsciously to think no, that. Super is. Yeah. Yeah. 1000%. Right. Like that's programming you to think that, yo, one day I may end up here. Right. Um, and then right across the street, you got the preppy white schools. Everybody was driving their Range Rovers and they're, they're, they're this and they're that. And the people across the street got nothing living in section eight houses. And they're like, they visually got to see how sucky they are every day and how white people are winning every day or non-black people are winning every day. Yeah. It's crazy because like one of the things I'm so glad you brought this up is the, the mental battle and the psychological battle that goes on. Cause like, so I, I have a coach, right? A high performance coach, yep. mindset coach. I, I meet with her every week. We have a call. I pay her like 60 grand a year. And that's, yes, I'm very well aware that that's privilege, right? And and yep. as we as we uh, both acknowledge, like privilege is not a bad thing, right? Yep. We should we should all want to have privilege. We should all want to have the privilege to be able to do more, give more, have more, be more, like things like that. But I mean, my life, my business has exponentially and overwhelmingly gotten better simply by going through and working with my mind, right? Like my business or my mindset coach has taught me nothing about business. She's not talking nothing about marketing, nothing about sales, nothing about, you know, offer creation, yeah. Facebook ads, literally nothing. All we do is we work on my mind and my business has 10 X. I mean, just like absolutely blown up in the past year, right? Like, I mean, everyone's like, you know, my mom thought, how could you possibly spend 60 grand in a year, you know, five grand a month on a coach? And I'm like, well, if I spend five grand and all of a sudden I make 50, I think it's a good ROI, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. But what it was is in one of the biggest things. And even when I was on the call with her before I, I hired her, before I paid her, she said, Josh, my biggest job, not so much is to teach you what to do. It's to help get you out of your own way and help unprogram 
what the, like the stories and the programming that you've told yourself up until this point. And like, yeah. I didn't understand that when we first started. And now I'm like, whoa. And I think back to, and like, here's the thing. Like I grew up in a middle-class, you know, uh, middle-class area. My parents were lower middle-class. We lived paycheck to paycheck. Certainly didn't have wealth by any means. Um, but like, I had a great childhood. I grew up on a farm. Like it was a safe environment, you know, primarily white community, things like that. And yeah. even in that safe community where I could do dumb stuff, where I could accidentally set a, uh, you know, a bonfire 40 feet foot up in flames and have the fire department show up and it'd be like, uh, you know, just don't do it again. Right. You know what I mean? Like not a big deal. Even in that, there was programming that happened in my brain that made me feel unworthy, that made me feel like I wasn't good enough because like, I was like, well, my parents didn't have great wealth, so what makes me deserving of that, right? And here I grew up in a good home with my parents together and things like that, and I was homeschooled. So I didn't get bullied, right? I didn't you know, go to school and have to deal with all that crap. So now take that and go, okay, listen, let's like, let, let's pretend, you know, anybody that's listening right now that's like, Josh, you guys are all crazy or whatever, like, Let's pretend you're not racist. Let's pretend by some miraculous miracle, you are 100% a non, there's not a racist thing in your body. And I, I do believe that there are people that there are people that in no way think that they're racist. I would not, I would not have called myself racist in any way, shape or form, like intentionally. Right. So take that out for a second. I want you to think about something. Imagine now you growing up where everything around you was programmed to make you think a certain way. So even though you had the freedoms, like Everybody has the, well, not most people in America today have the freedom to go out and become exuberantly wealthy, right? Like crazy successful. We all have the freedom and the ability to go and do that. But what holds people back? It's this programming of you got to think a certain way, act a certain way, you know, do this, do that, can't do this. Now imagine that like exponentially worse in a poor neighborhood where things are like, you're being programmed to be like, this is your reality. You're never going to escape it. You're not worthy enough. Hey, you don't have rich parents. Hey, you're, you know, you didn't inherit a white spoon in your mouth and you have this scaled to like an entire, an entire population of people that, or let's say 75% of a population of people just based on their skin color. Right. So where like 75% of a generate or a, you know type of people are being raised in that fashion. Right. Like, I don't think, there's for centuries for, for centuries right right for centuries like, right yeah people and get traumatized over 10 years of bullshit or one year or 15 years of bullshit but right. we're and, talking about hundreds of years of like right of programming and so that's what you learn from your parents and that's what they learn from their parents and that's what they learn yeah. from their parents and it's, yeah. and so you look at society today and i feel like here's what happens i feel like and i'm overwhelmingly guilty of this as, as well. And I try to be better about it now, but like you look at something that you're like, okay, well, that's, I guess that's not really that racist. Like black people don't have it that bad. Like, yeah, it's not ideal. It's not great, but it's not like terrible. You have to remember that like today in America is the best it has ever been for black people. It overwhelmingly, and it's still this way. Right. So if this is the so imagine like your life, what would be the absolute best if your parents, you know, if you were born into a family with a hundred million dollars and you were a trust fund baby and you had a great education, you had everything laid out for you, that that would be the best case scenario for you. Well, guess what? Yeah. The best case scenario for a black person or a black society is what we have in America today. It's just a fundamentally different reality to live in. And that's not to say that there's people out there that, that all white people or even that a majority of white people are out there intentionally being racist but it's this culture of what we accept to be normal we just accept it as normal that there's a bunch of black people in the hood yep and look, normal. Time out. 
I, and Sorry. bro, you're you're killing it right now. So thank you for 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 sharing that perspective. Um, and the other thing I want people to realize too, man, is just like what you see on the day to day is what like people feel, obviously, right on the on the inside. So if I were to think about like back in the day, if if people like if 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 white people their family was saying like hanging people or for entertainment, they were watching like people get lynched for pure entertainment. Let's just, let's say that. That was just how things went. And that was not a hundred years ago. That was not 80 years ago. That was like 50 years ago. Mm. Damn it. People are still getting hung today. There's random black people hanging from trees now. And I'm like, yo, and they're claiming it to be a suicide. I'm just like, yo, this is kind of scary. This is this is kind of wild. But the reality, though, of years and years and even decades of non-black people doing the violence that they were doing for decades to this day makes it hard for people to understand why it's bad or it's like here's here's one thing for me bro this is the differentiator between me and most other people who look like me and from democratic republican and all the other bs stuff i empathize i empathize for the pure reason that i know where i came from it's hard for people to empathize when all they see are facts black and white show me the data, show me the numbers, whatever. But if we think about slavery times and we think about the racist times and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> for decades, emotionally, people were crying out like, yo, this is not cool. This is not okay. Rationally, white people are like, no, it is okay. We get to make more money. We don't have to outsource hair. We get free labor. We get this, we get this. So logistically, Logically, it makes sense whether it's ethical or not. And you lose that sense of empathy and compassion. Mm. For me as an entrepreneur, Black entrepreneur, I can empathize with Black people who don't have resources or even non-Black people who don't have resources. For instance, we're moving to Houston, Texas. Two weeks ago, we went to Houston to check it out. And my wife and I, we're doing well. And we're at the park and we're just like taking in the beautiful views and whatever, whatever. And boom, we get startled. Oh, shoot. Two black people. It was an older couple. They were in their 50s, probably early 60s. Oh, black guy. Oh, man, I'm so, so, so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to startle you. Oh, man, like you and your wife, you guys are an amazing couple. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us right now because Everyone we try to talk to, they're just so mean. Mm. I'm like, yeah, man, what's up? What's happening? I could have been like, yo, don't talk to me. Like, ah, just, but nah, I empathize. I see you as a human being. Mm. You're a fucking person. Yeah. You're not just a beggar. You're not just a this. You're not just a, a bum. You're not just a homeless person or whatever negative box that people tie somebody into. So we listened to them. And they said that Hurricane Laura, um, a couple months back or a month back, wiped out everything they're from louisiana mm -hmm. and they try to hit certain shelters and stuff and 
they tried to separate them. And they were like, no, we've been together for 30 years. And I was like, wow. wow. And my wife was like, do you guys have kids? Like, can they help? Like, like what? what? <sighs> we got six kids. No, we got four kids, four grown adult kids. And we have seven grandchildren. And we don't want to tell our kids that we're homeless right now because they got their own stuff worried about. And we don't want them to look at us as failures. Mm. Ah, that got real. Empathy, empathy. Damn, this could be my parents. I can only imagine like my parents or Devonna's parents having so much pride to where they're homeless, but they don't want to tell us or reach out for help because they don't want to feel like they're bothering us. So what do we do? We went to the hotel. And yeah, this dude just wanted $5. They said they you know, haven't showered in days and they just want a meal, whatever, whatever. And yeah, we could have got hustled, bro. And if they hustled us, like they would have been some great actors. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I feel yeah. like I got a good understanding of emotional intelligence. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 so, for sure. But I, I felt for this dude and for his wife. <clears throat> we went to the hotel, we went to the Marriott. They didn't even want to come in. They did not want to even come into the hotel because they felt like they were going to be judged. Wow. So they just waited outside. I'm like, fuck. <clears throat> we go in, we go to the ATM. We only, we pull out like $140, $150. They're expecting like 10 bucks, 15 bucks, five bucks, spare change. We only come out, bro, with $140. Gave it to them. The joy on their face, the sense of hope mm. on their face. And Bro, this is during the time of COVID and they're homeless. Yeah. I don't know what they're interacting with. I don't know what they've seen or done or whatever. But that was a time of being a human being. Yeah. I gave them a hug. My wife gave them a hug. We hugged them. And from one young black man to an older black man and knowing the pride and the ego that comes with being a black man and not wanting to ask for anything. And even for me, like, I'd rather be homeless than ask my parents for a handout. Like, that's just right. how I, I roll. Yeah. Yeah. There's that, <laughs> yeah. There's that pride. And just him, like, holding and squeezing me tight, like, man, thank you so much. Like, we're so happy that we're going to be able to shower and we're going to get a room for tonight. And, and just that sense of hope. And my wife and I watched them walk off for like 300, 400 feet. And they're just like, raising their hands in the air and they're holding each other tight as they're walking off into the distance and turning the corner. Mm. And I'm like, wow, that felt so freaking good. Yeah. Somebody could be like, yo, Kev, you just gave him a handout. Nah, fool. Right. I'm being a human being. Right. I have the resources. I don't want to see someone who's my, like my parents. I don't want my parents to be in that situation. If I got hustled, damn. But I know God was like, Kevin, you got something. Help these people out. Listen yeah. to them. Talk to them. Make them feel like a human being and don't just see them as another statistic. Yeah. And I think that so one of one of my big issues with um, government handouts and I have, I'm going to bring this full circle here for a second. I'm not like you know, we, we may, may or may not get into that, but like Part of the issue, I saw a meme, I actually posted it um, on my Instagram story the other day, but it, it, there was a, it was a picture of like Jesus preaching to the masses or whatever, right? And it mm -hmm. goes, um, help your neighbor and take care of the poor and hungry. And then there's like one of the guys in the crowds that yells back, he goes, you mean give money to the Romans and let them do it, right? And mm -hmm. Jesus goes, okay, okay, let me start over. Let me see where I lost you here, <laughs> all right? And it's like, well, part of my issue with 
us just like pushing it off to the government or to somebody else. It's like, let's just, you know, more handouts, like whatever it is. There's a place for that. That's not what I'm, that's not what I'm trying to oppose here. What I'm saying is, is that it takes that human element out of it. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden it becomes the government's problem or all of a sudden it becomes the rich person's problem or all of a sudden it becomes whatever. Right. Yeah. But like when you sit down and you go and you actually see someone as a human, right. When you actually see somebody in need and then you can actually go and help them. Um, my fiance and I, we were out the other day, we got done. We, there's a Krispy Kreme here and we always like to go and get like, they make them fresh. Right. And they're just freaking delicious. Oh my gosh. So we go down to Krispy Kreme and there's like this guy, he's, you know, just holding a sign out there and all it says was hungry. Right. And I'm like, yo, I don't know if this guy's been homeless for you know 10 years or like 10 days, but I'm like, oh, businesses are shut down. There's not a lot of jobs around here, right? Like, I mean, he's pr like super legit. And so we, we, you know, we took the car. There was like, I don't know, it was like a Target or something. We went in and we just bought him up like a, a bag of food, right? And like some, you know, some canned goods and some stuff. And like taking back that to him and handing that to him and being like, hey, here's enough food and you know, some water, whatever, to last like a week. And like the joy that came over his face of like what you were talking about, it brings right. that human element back. And it's like, okay, that's a real person, right? And they've got yeah. like, and like God loves them just like he loves you and I. And so taking that and like, I don't, like, I don't think that just giving every single homeless that we should go out and buy every single homeless person food and dedicate our entire lives. I mean, we have, we have lives too and businesses and things like that, but like putting yeah. that human element back in it, whether it's for a homeless person or for um, somebody that has been a victim of like hardcore, a victim of racism, someone that is less off in life, like actually understanding that like a lot of times, number one, a, I mean, these people are humans, but number two, a lot of times while they, that I, I always believe that somebody has the personal ability to change their own life. Like I really truly believe that. Right. But remembering that they only have that ability or they only understand that they have that ability. If they've been taught that they have that ability, if they actually yeah. understand that, that, and like most people that are, you know, victim mentality, going back to, Hey, being programmed for the last however many hundred, you know, hundred years, you know, centuries, you've been programmed to think that you're a victim, but you've been programmed to think that you're helpless. You've been programmed to think that people hate you, that people are going to judge you by the color of your skin. And some of it even being true, right? Like you've been programmed that way. All of a sudden when you, you know, you see this you know, privileged white Josh 40 coming along and being like, if you're broke, it's your fault. Right? Now, that, I mean, I understand that, 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 that message can get, like a little lost sometimes. Right. And like, yeah. I think that it would be super beneficial for all of us to like, take a step back and go, okay, look, because like your beliefs may not be wrong, right? They might not be wrong. Like you may be right in your beliefs, but if somebody else has not had the same understanding perspective, upbringing and reality that you have, their understanding of your beliefs may be entirely different. And they may look at you as a really bad or horrible person or that they may be opposed to that message when you're, you may be trying to help them, but you're doing it from your perspective rather than doing it from their perspective. And when you come in and you start to see things from somebody else's perspective and you start to understand, okay, this is what they're going through. That at that point, all of a sudden we start to become human. And like, it's crazy yeah. to me. It, it's crazy to me. Like the most out, outside of, I mean, outside of some Trump posts maybe that I've made, like the most controversial or like biggest blowback that I get from people on social media is when I do interviews like this and we talk about racism. And there's a yeah. lot of people on there that are like, Josh, come on. Like, why are you like, why are you doing this? Like racism is like, maybe not over, but like racism right, is really that bad. It, right? right. Yeah. Let's get, and it's like, okay, but like, you understand that, like go to their perspective. Clearly it's not over, right? 
Like clearly that's not done. And like and you're talking to oh, they just got a narrative. They just got this and it all comes down to bullshit like political stuff, man. And yo, I am not a politician. I'm not a political activist. Uh I damn near don't give two Fs about politics at all. What I do care about, we were talking about like was the human effect and just like people and yeah. having that that diary of, of just like that's again that's where empathy and compassion comes from putting yourself in someone else's shoes yeah i've had people try to push their beliefs and their thoughts on me and they thought by them sharing a video of a black person sharing their thoughts and viewpoints will somehow magically sway my mind <laughs> and i'm like yo if you don't get that out of here what is wrong with you like no if anything i feel like punching you in the face right now <laughs> it's like breaks. you're a, you're a black person awesome let me find a black person that actually agrees with my belief system and share it with you to prove why you're wrong <laughs> yeah exactly and i'm just like yo, that makes no sense man but it's it's weird bro because look um I rocked with Trump prior to him running for, for president. I have Donald Trump books behind me. Um, the, the art of the deal. I read it. I, it's a great even book. After, yeah. Even after he, um, even after he ran for presidency, I was like, man, why do so many people hate this guy? Let me read more about him. And a lot of hip hop and rap songs growing up, people were rapping about Donald Trump. He was that personality. And for me, my personal belief systems around politics is I don't believe in politics. I think it's all BS. I think it's people saying what um, they they want their followers to think, feel, or believe, right, at the, at the highest level, just so they get into the office. And from there, whatever happens. I also believe yeah. that yeah. I am in 100% control of my own life, and there's nothing the government can do, the president can do, or anybody else can do to change my life. I'm 100% responsible for where I'm at. That will, those are my personal beliefs. Which is why um, you and I will forever, forever get along. Yes, 1,000, right? Four years ago, I didn't vote. I didn't care <clears throat> about voting. I, like, if I voted, it's not gonna change my life. Right, right. This year, I also would not have voted. This year, I did not, Josh, even vote for myself. I did not vote for me this year. Mm. I voted for, again, man, talking about like the human element, the people perspective, and putting yourself in other people's shoes outside of black and white, outside of, you know, show me the facts and all this bullshit. I'm just like, people are like, yo, don't take out your emotions from it. And I'm like, yeah, I understand that from a perspective only so much because at the end of the day, like these are people's livelihoods. And I watched, I watched a documentary a couple years ago called undocumented. Have you seen it? Undocumented. Yeah. Mm -mm. It was about people who are living in this country. It's a Netflix documentary living in this country they're undocumented. Um, they cross the border, whatever, whatever. And they've been living here for 15, 20, 30 plus years, et cetera. And under Trump's administration, got deported. And you've even had military people, people who served in the military. They even 
got the shorter hand of the stick. And just seeing those real life stories and seeing ICE officials beating up lawyers and attorneys with cameras on them. And I'm just like, yo, if that goes down on an attorney and on a lawyer, I can only imagine what they're doing to these people in cages. So, okay, so I have a question on that though. And, I, and it's kind of a two-part question and you can answer it how you will. Cool, cool. My initial question was like, what's your biggest beef with Trump? And I want to like expound on that question specifically to the whole, like the whole deportation issue and illegal immigrants versus legal immigrants and the wall. And like, that's just a tough, that's tough all around. Right. Because like, there's no, Obama did a terrible job. Trump has not done a good job. Like, like the whole like kids in cages and like things like that, unless you're actually down there and like involved, there are so many conflicting stories and like, you know, Trump, like Obama, you put the kids in cages and everyone's like, well, why didn't you take them out, Trump? And like Trump, you're doing all this crap. So like, yeah. I guess my question is this, like, A, what's your beef with, what, what was your, what was your biggest beef with Trump? Like, what's the number one reason you're like, yo, Trump, you're just, you're not the right dude. And yeah. then two full with that specifically for like the, the doc, like the illegal immigrants and like ice and things like that. Yeah. I don't feel like Obama was much better and Biden was in then too. Right. So like, I think, I think there's a lot of other things where Obama and Trump were different, but like, I feel like specifically on the issue of immigration, like, I feel like neither one of them did a very good job at all. And so I'm curious, is that your biggest beef with Trump or if not, like what, what, it, what was that reason where you're like, F it. Cause like, I've seen your post, bro. You're, you're not a fan of Trump, right? I get it. And I respect that. But like, and that's your, and that's your call. But, but why? Yeah. And here's the thing too, Josh, like I am so always down to have these conversations, uncomfortable or not. Yeah, for sure. My my white friends where I'm their only black friend, they're like, Kevin, I want to call you because I want to know your thoughts on this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, right. black person perspective, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. But then on the other side, I feel that it's important to have these conversations because that's the only way <clears throat> to understand people's perspectives versus having yeah. your perspective so for me i think about leadership right and you're the leader of people when you're the leader of people and you're a leader of a country like the united states of america one must have a sense of empathy and understanding and compassion and and all of that like closing deals policies like getting shit done he could check all those boxes but if he makes the people who live here feel fearful make them feel like that he's against them like for instance you know it's it's funny yo cuz my my parents and my brother He's, they're just, they watch CNN, they watch the news all day long. And I've been telling my parents for, I was like, guys, and my brother, successful people don't watch the news. We just don't. We yeah, just, I don't even have TV. <laughs> yeah. We're too, and whatever news I do see, like I find it online, right? Like that, it is, it is what it is. And they're just like so glued to the TV. And I'd say like, yo, I don't trust the news. I think it's all bullshit. I think it's clickbait. It's all about ratings, capturing people's attention and sure. keeping them there. It's about money. It's a business, right? And as I'm saying that, 
they're like, oh, you're a Trump supporter, Kevin. You're this. I'm like, no. Like, <laughs> I've always felt this even before Trump came into play. Now, talking about Trump, the beautiful thing about social media, like TikTok, you can see, like, someone has their camera out, like, right there on the spot while somebody is being reckless and saying bullshit. This isn't even hitting CNN or MSNBC or any of those media boxes. It's like, boom, I'm recording. I'm watching you be an idiot. And then after you be an idiot and you say some racist stuff, then you say Donald Trump's name. When you, Trump can't not see that. People who support Trump can't not see that. And when you see people, like no one's like, screw you white people, Biden 2020. Like no one's saying that. But on the flip side, you see like when we talk about racism being tied to Trump, I feel that the people in America right now, like they probably always, the people who are like vocally out there, They've probably always been racist or they've been in organizations and they've been judges or they've been on a police force or they've been in corporations and whatever, whatever. But now they're like vocal about it and they tie the name to Trump. They're tied their message to Trump. If I was Trump, if I was a leader of this America, many times, I'm not saying like, because I mean, this is a consistent thing. I'm not trying to listen to some hidden message where Trump condemns some shit. I'm not trying to hear it for like eight seconds or 10 seconds. Like, oh, let me rewind back. You hear it? That's not what I'm talking about because this is serious. This is like, this matters. I'm looking for consistent messages where Trump is like, yo, first off, I don't condone racism at all. And if you're being nasty and saying hateful things to people and then you're tying my name to it, Here's going to be the rep, uh, repercussions for it. Here's why this is not okay. And if my people see it, if I see it, da, 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 we're going to like, we're going to, we're going to do something about it. I've never heard him say that. Yeah. So, so it's interesting because like, second, huh? It's his brand. I'm yeah. a brand new guy. Right. So, so it's interesting because you said a lot there and like half of it, I want to push back on, but half of it, I actually very much agree with. And so I want to start with where I disagree, which is, mm -hmm. or where I want to, where I kind of want to push back on something, which is like the whole Trump, not being the ideal leader, right. With empathy or whatnot. Like, I think part of the big argument back is like, yeah, but like, dude, Joe Biden ain't a leader either, dude. Like Joe Biden actually like, like he sucks on a lot of issues and he's Bro, not as vocal. And out. What? Yeah. I mean like, so like, I think that one of the problems that um, a lot of, especially people like me had with the other side with, I'm going to say, so generally speaking, here, I'm going to talk left and right. All right. Like cool. we're all, we're all United States of American citizens, people like we should all be together, like coming together. Uh, I hate that it's this way, but like we're divided. All right. Right now. But like the left versus the right. My problem with like the Biden people and the people that hated Trump so much is I'm like, okay, you're like, there's not people over there. They're like F white people, Biden. Okay. But there are people over there that are like, yo, F the police defund the police that, that Trump supporters should go die and rot in hell. They're like, there's exactly what it is. And I'm not, and I want to be very clear. You absolutely make a great point. And there's yeah. absolute, like, I'm not trying to justify people being like F black people go Trump. That's awful, horrible. And if, if 
I have condemned racism over and over and will continue to condemn racism in every format whatsoever, even to the point where I criticize Trump and openly on multiple podcasts. All right. So like I'm not in any way justifying that. What I am saying is, is that the exact same thing is happening on the other side of it. It's not towards white people. It's towards police officers. It's towards military. It's towards like a lot of things that are seemingly that would keep society working as a whole. And so I look at it and I go, okay, so there's some Trump supporters out there that say racism isn't a thing and y'all just need to get over yourself. Only blue lives matter. Right. And then there's people on the other side that are yelling back and being like, yo, police lives don't matter. Like, you know, screw the police. They're, they're pigs. They deserve to die. And like, you know, all this. And so I'm like, okay, both sides are doing it. And, the, yeah. and like, and I'm like, I'm so, middle, bro. I'm, okay, I'm, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I, I want to bring this around full circle. I want to know your opinion on this. I really, really do. Okay. So yeah. I look at that and I go, okay. So let's assume that Trump is everything that people say that he is on the left, right? Let's assume he is a racist. Let's assume he is uh, like not, does not condemn violence. Let's assume that he's big. Let's, let's assume those things, all right? Yeah. The exact same things can be said about Biden. Like Biden, well, Biden-Harris ticket. I mean, like Kamala Harris put so many black people in jail over marijuana. Like what is like 1,500 or 1,700 people, black people she put in jail over marijuana charges, right? So it's like, they're no better than Trump is when it comes to a lot of these social issues. And so I'm curious to know your thoughts on this. And like, we're probably not gonna agree and that's okay. I just wanna have the conversation because I look at it and I go, okay, listen, I absolutely wish, and I absolutely agree with you that Trump needs to come out and do a better job and should have all along to be like, I absolutely, absolutely condemn racism. And in no way do I condone it in any way, shape or form. It should not like, you shouldn't have to Google on page two of Google or like search for clips of him doing it and look for compilations for the last 10 years to find eight clips, right? Like you, it should be everywhere, but at the, not, but at the same time, Joe Biden is no better. And so if the Democrats and the Republicans both are terrible on social issues, it's all smoke and mirrors. Kamala Harris is just as corrupt as anybody in the Trump administration is. More slightly, it's a little bit more, bro, than just like social issue stuff, right? Like, but like, but like, but then go look at Paul because at my my thing is is that I don't like. While yes, the presidency, the president is responsible for the the moral fabric, if you will, of society, and he should be a leader, or he or she should be a leader. I also believe that policy is more important than than empathy in the role of a presidential leader because they're all they all suck and so why not look at the fact that there's all-time unemployment or all-time low unemployment rate for black people under trump why not look at like some of these other things and so i have an issue with or one of the things i struggle with understanding is i'm like as a black person why do does somebody hate trump so much when Biden and Kamala Harris do not seem to be any better on social issues whatsoever, and yet their policies are even worse. Like the only reason I feel like that people, black people hate Trump so much is because of the media. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, I mean, this is just my opinion. I'm curious to know your it. thoughts on it. I get it. I get it. And bro, I love this conversation. Uh, and then two, also, I want you to know, like, don't ever feel that you need to be politically correct with me either, like censor the words okay, that's good. coming out of your mouth. Okay, I, I, I shoot, right? So if you got to like think about it, like just say with how you feel, you know, like, and I, right. I think that makes for better, you know, communication for your, your audience. 
Like, um, I just feel like that. It, it, here's my kind of my unfiltered thoughts on it. I feel like Trump is terrible at actually connecting with anybody outside of his fan base, but I feel like he actually does do a pretty good job of being a president for all Americans on policy alone. Only policy, like not on his actions, but I feel like he did do a pretty good job for all Americans across the board uh, yeah. from, from a policy perspective. And I don't think that he got credit for that in the media in any way, shape or form. Yeah, cool. So for me, Trump is a business guy. We all know that. And that's why I think a lot of people voted for him too, because like get stuff done, right? Yeah. So for me, I would have voted for him probably uh, four years ago too, from that perspective, because I want lower taxes, make more money. I want the stuff that favors the entrepreneur, right? Like right. that's something I genuinely believe in. And I try to say this up to my parents and my mom. They don't really, they don't drive with it as well, but right, it's, right. it's okay. <clears throat> for I think that the president should be the president of the United States of America, not the president of Republicans and the president for Democrats. We there's no way people can come together when all conversation is left or right, red or blue, Democrat, Republican. Like it's just it's a disaster. It's like no change ever can come from <clears throat> drawing a line in the middle like that. Can ever, right? Just like yeah. me and you, we have a split screen. We can't come together if it's just one or the other. Right. There's not a one and the other, right? So when I think about leadership. Like there's one like I think about people like Pablo Escobar, the 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 people fucking loved Pablo. He he paid all he paid everybody. Families was good. They were eating. They were doing their thing. Super billionaire making crazy money. Blah blah. blah. But the type of fear that he also placed in the minds and hearts of the people that he wasn't taking care of diminished his leadership qualities and diminished him as a person. So regardless of if Trump is a billionaire, regardless of if he got in policies and stuff done and things like that, the people who are under you that you're leading and guiding and they should be following you, they shouldn't be fearful that like their lives are at risk or their lives are at stake or at their lives are this or their lives are that. I understand how one may think that the media paints the picture for someone's perception to be a certain type of way, especially if you're glued to the TV and glued to the news. I don't watch the news. I don't watch TV. I do watch TV. I love Netflix and chilling and doing that stuff. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm at the place in my life and business where I can do that and enjoy it, right? But on the flip side, I know that because of my phone, I can go right to the source. I can go right to the source without seeing something edited, scripted, hearing a perspective or lens on it, a viewpoint on it. I can see the type of like uproar his vibes and his energy puts out. It's so crazy, yo, because I want I watched a documentary the other day on um Amazon Prime. And I was like expecting to hear like perspectives. It was like how Donald how how being negative i think par like paraphrase like how being negative or how being like that personality won presidency something along those lines um but it was on amazon prime 
And, bro, I kid you not, Josh, for a full hour and a half, that whole documentary, there was no commentary. It was just clips of Donald Trump talking shit <laughs> for a full hour and a half. And in my, in, in my, when I think about leadership, man, like there's just certain qualities and traits that leaders should have, like being able to communicate, right? That is something that is super important. We're both entrepreneurs. If we have a team, we have to know how to communicate to our team. Yeah. We have a goal. We have an agenda. We have whatever it is that we want to accomplish. We can't just say like, if you don't want to work here, F you. Your, your feelings don't matter. What you got to say don't matter. There's no open door policy here. You either follow what I say or you're out. Peace. Shouldn't be that. I don't want my people, regardless of how much money I'm making, you know, how much money I'm feeding yeah. into my team and feeding families and things like that. I don't want my team members feeling like, oh, my God, he could fire any of us any moment. That's how I feel the vibes and energy Trump puts out in America. And I don't know Kamala Harris like that. I don't know Biden like that. I don't know what their policies are like. And I honestly, I don't give two fucks about them. <laughs> However, and I hear people say how bad they are and things like that. For me, I'm just like, I don't think right now it could be any worse than Trump. So I voted the uh, opposite. I'm so glad it. you said that. And I see, I think that's where you and I would disagree on it. Yes. Beca because like I look at it and I go, I know what I get with Trump. And while Trump is a absolutely an a-hole like for sure right like absolutely a jerk absolutely is not presidential in his character no question right like i have said that a million times i know what i get with him and he's not going to take away my fundamental freedoms right and i look at like for me the mo the singular most important thing in america is freedom like personal personal freedoms that is the singular most important thing in, in america and i look at it and i go okay yep trump sucks on a lot of things he's not presidential in a lot of areas but that dude is not he is not abusing his governmental power to take away personal freedom and COVID is the perfect example of this trump had every reason every every ability to use COVID as an example to overstep government overreach and and use that and he didn't and you look at los angeles and you look at new york and you look at some of the more democrat run states and they yeah. absolutely did right and so yeah. i look at that and i go my biggest fear like here's the thing I am not a, I am not in any way worried that Joe Biden is going to raise taxes. That is the that is the last thing of my concern. I'm like I'm an entrepreneur, bro. If I got to pay 50% taxes, I'm just going to make some more money, right? Like right, that is the last like whatever, right? And so I am not like a, a lot of the reasons that people that typical Republicans want to vote against they're like I don't want to pay more taxes. I'm like okay, like seriously get over yourself. If that's the, if that was the only problem with Joe Biden, I probably would have voted for Biden, right? But my big fear is that a Biden Harris administration comes in. We don't really know who's calling the shots on it and that we're in the middle of this pandemic and we're in the middle of massive government overreach and that they're going to overstep freedoms and we're never going to get them back. And like that is a legitimate fear of mine. And that was why I felt so strongly to the point where, I mean, you saw I took my whole brand and I basically tied my brand to basically like Trump is going to win. Right. Yeah, and like what up and right. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and, and I and I wrote it up. And by the way, I. 
when he didn't, I made my post congratulating Kamala Harris. I mean, or Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on their projected win, right? I know it's not official yet, but it's, you know, looking more. And I got insane amounts of heat from my people, right? They hated it. But I'm like, I, I respect the law and I respect where things are at. But like, I just am so fearful of, I, I think it could get way worse. But I think that's better. Puts that type of fear into your mind, just like <sighs> here's a, here, like I I genuinely believe that Trump could be like guys. You guys are looking at the sky right now, and what you see is blue. Here's why the sky is not blue, and a percentage <laughs> of, of his followers will be like, "Oh my God, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, absolutely." He pulls stuff out of his ass and says it going <laughs> and it sticks. I'm like, how is this possible? And it's so crazy. He's I wouldn't expect anyone else uh, other yeah, than yeah. Donald Trump, bro, to where now it's November 25th. No one knows who's president yet. Like he would be the person that I would expect to give a fight in a tantrum and 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 ride that thing to the wheels fall off. He's who I which, would which is can we talk about that for a second? All right, like regardless of who you think, like regardless of what your political side is, how crazy is this election right now? Like, I I by the way, I think Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are in right. Like I do, I don't think Trump is going to be able to overturn this. May I All hope right. so? I I absolutely hope he does. Right, believe me, I am I'm still a Trump fan. Right, like don't get me wrong, but like I, I but I was reading an article last night and. uh the, the 2020, so obviously it's illegal to bet on the, the you know presidential election in America, but apparently the the biggest um one of the biggest bettors on the presidential election is is over in Britain, right? And um there's one company right now that currently is holding like eight hundred and seventy-nine million dollars in cash and hasn't paid out a winner yet because they're like in every other scenario, we always just like paid it out because obviously like we thought it was, but they're like, We're we're terrified to pay it out because we are like if somehow, some way, Trump pulls out a win and we accidentally pay out that Biden won, like it'll bankrupt us. It is the they said it's the single biggest bet, single of betting event in the history of the of all of it. And there's like billions of dollars all tied up around the world in like in gambling uh, in these casinos of, of people betting that haven't been paid out yet because they we don't know who's actually going to win. Right. Like we think it's going to be Biden, but like people, the casinos are like, absolutely not until it is a certified done legal. We can't pay. And that is a wild time to be alive. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know about a wild time to be. It's an interesting time. Yeah. yeah, Trump, man, he he's something else. But here's the thing, guy. He's he's a branding guy. Like he he knows what he's doing. He's been doing it for decades and decades and decades. Like. He has yeah. not shied away at all from who he's kind of always been. He's yeah. vocal. He's loud. He's out there. He's he's all of that. Um, but I, bro, I'm in the middle. Uh, I think after like taking a little test, like politically, I think my party is a green party. But in my <laughs> thoughts, Josh, I'm just like, there needs to be a rise of independent parties, and there needs to be no more red, and there needs to be no more blue. Because yeah. there is a thing that black people vote blue and business owners and rednecks and most white people vote red and some vote the opposite, right? Or sit on either side. Right, right. But I feel like that is a broken system. And just because something's been for sure for hundreds of years does not mean that we should keep doing it that way. I also think it's time for 
younger, more diverse people to come into politics, right? Uh, if if you got you look at most of Congress and you look at turn on the span channel at on any given day, you just gonna see a bunch of old crusty white hair people, and that's it. White old well, white. It's, like, it's literally like the three most powerful people in America today are Donald. Well, pre-election oh, and still to this day are Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, and Mitch McConnell. They're all white. One's a woman and they're all over 75 years old. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh gosh, we are so screwed. <laughs> I'm for change, man. And that's, that's, that's yeah. where I'm at. I, I have yeah. not, since, since the election, I have not paid attention to what's going on. My friends yeah. be trying to send me stuff. I'm, I'm not worried about that, man. Like, yeah, it is. What it is. That's what right, I got. At. So I got one uh, one final topic I want to cover here before we kind of wrap it up. I, I, I kind of going back to the racism issue. I actually am curious specifically about your thoughts about Black Lives Matter, the organization, because that's something that's incredibly controversial, obviously. And I've come out and been very vocal about my support for Black Lives Matter, the cause and very anti the Black Lives Matter organization, because I think the, I, the, my personal beliefs about the organization, I don't think they're a good organization at all. But like, I'm curious to know, because I've, and I've had, I mean, like, dude, I had a guy on my podcast who literally his background was a Black Lives Matter flag. All right. Like he was like in your face, boy. <laughs> but I'm curious to know, what are your thoughts on the organization? Do you like it? Do you know enough about it to even be informed? No. One, don't know enough about the organization. Two, don't care about the organization. Three, I'm all for the movement. I'm all for the cause. And that is what I endorse. Right. Um, regardless of what the organization does, bro, to me, the message, it it, it was loud and it, it, it spoke volumes. Um, and I got to say something, man, like I've never seen a time other than now in 2020 where I've seen so many black people getting educated on their history, our history, and also seeing white people being educated on our history and also what their families and their ancestors' contribution was to the society outside the scope of what they learned in school. There was like within two months of George Floyd's like death, like all the anti-racism books and in, in, in audio book and in, in audible was just like, they all hit bestsellers like almost overnight. It's like boom, 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 boom. And I'm seeing like white people draw the line in the sand and like speaking up and using their voice and using their message. For me, that's what I care about because I don't think if Black Lives Matter movement didn't exist, that that would not have happened. The change on the black side, the mm -hmm. white side um, would never have had happened. These conversations wouldn't be happening if it wasn't for that. Um, I also think that everyone talks about like, looting and and rioting and and all of that and i've been a part of a couple of protests here in san diego all of it was dope peaceful san diego uh think the percent of black people out here six percent it's not a lot of us at all <laughs> and being in a crowd of thousands of people and they're all freaking white and hispanic and and just a few black people and they're going for the cause i'm like yo it, this is powerful. Like I'm happy and proud to be a part of this moment. I almost feel like 
I'm in the days of 50 years ago when, you know, people were marching and walking and, 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 and doing that. Do I believe in, um, the looting and the, the rioting? I don't believe in it. Do I believe that sometimes certain things are necessary to make your voice heard? Yeah. White people say, yo, you're destroying your neighborhood. You're destroying the, the stores and the this and this in your neighborhood. It's like black people don't have no neighborhoods. There's no neighborhoods. There's there's no black small businesses within those neighborhoods. They are paying, they're they're they live in these houses that they're renting and buying. Someone else owns that house. They're they're living there, but they don't own the neighborhood. They live there, but it's not their neighborhood. It's most likely a, a, a white person's neighborhood that they happen to live in. So I do think that looting and rioting is not the best thing, but is some of it effective? I think some of it has been effective. People say like, it was funny. People were like, yo, Donald Trump is, he's he's hollering and he's like going crazy right now. But if Donald Trump won, everybody would be like looting and rioting and, and all kind of stuff. Um, I did see some of those those messages, but I take a step back and I think about it, it's like, yo, when it comes down to social issues and people riot and, and things like that, to me, I understand. I don't think it's like the best thing or the right thing to do, but I understand. I have empathy there. Yeah. But then I look at it like when someone wins or loses the Super Bowl. Or when yeah. people be rioting like I don't know what, and no one talks about it. Yeah, what was it when the e so I'm a big I'm a big Patriots fan, I'm a big Tom Brady fan, right? So when the freaking Patriots lost to the Super Bowl, they lost to the Eagles, and uh, yo, like half a Philly was on fire, dude. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yo, but no one's talking about that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I don't, yeah. I don't see the, the 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 black lives and black people burning the city down because of the team loss or one. I don't think they're going to take it that serious. I don't know, you know, but um, I don't know. For me, again, it's just like about that understanding piece. I got to thank my wife for that. If it, if it wasn't for my wife, I would be a savage dude. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't, I can't connect. I can't relate. I don't God bless it. women in our lives. I tell you what, <laughs> man, but she, she brings that out of me. If yeah. I say something, Kevin, why'd you say that? Did you even think about this? Okay, my bad. Perspective. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, dude, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Uh, I certainly didn't agree, or didn't agree with everything that you said, especially right there at the end. I wish we had some more time to kind of dive into that. But, uh, dude, this was really, really good. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and just talk about this. Um, and the purpose of the conversation here was not so much to – to like convince somebody one way or the other or not, not even really to stand up for like, and try to debate like why you're right or wrong, but like just to share perspective. And I think we did that. And so I really appreciate the time you took to, you know, come on here and have this conversation. Josh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Follow you, find out more about you if they want to check you out. Yeah, man. Uh, Instagram, Kevin underscore, Kevin underscore Stimson. And then Facebook, Kevin Stimson, Kevin Stimson across the board. You can follow me. Love it. Love it. And, and guys, it's Stimson, not Simpson. I kept yeah. calling him Kevin Simpson and my assistant was like, it's Stimson. I'm like, oh my bad. So Stimson, S-T-I-M.
Yes. Uh, P-S-O-N. Kevin Stimson, man, I appreciate you coming on. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle. God bless. Do not be afraid to think different because those of us that think different are going to be the ones that change the world. Go out there and uh, see people as people. Actually see their perspective on the other side. That's how we're going to change the world. I love you all. I'll see you in the next episode. Take it easy, fam. Peace. Well, peace. <laughs>